Hey, my name is Phil, and this is my wife, Meredith, and we are the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're so glad that you have connected with us here today and that you're getting ready to listen to a message that we know is going to build a resilient faith in your life. Right now, in this moment and in our days ahead, let's continue declaring Jesus over every situation. Enjoy the message. Really excited about today's message. If you like to take notes, like today is your day. It's not gonna be like slow teaching, but I've got like lots of little like points for you. So go ahead and get that paper out and I'll even give you a title. Today's title, I'm gonna be preaching a message called And Now Abundance. And Now Abundance. I want you to turn with me to John 10. I'm gonna read John 10 starting in verse nine through 11. The book of John, of course, is John's account of the gospel story. Right there, kind of in the middle, in John 10, down in verse 9, it says, I am the door. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes, you probably know this verse, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I came that they might have life and have it what? abundantly, that they might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Father God, Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this moment. We thank you for the place that you've brought us to. We thank you that you are the door, that everyone who comes through that door enters into salvation, God, and we thank you for your life abundantly. I ask you today to give us hearts that hear what you're saying, God, to give us lives that reflect the words that you speak to us. I ask you for my words to be clear, and I ask you for everything that's of you, God, to be planted in our lives and make us resilient for the days ahead. Everything that's just me, God, let it be forgotten, let it fall, let it be left here today. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we were walking through our Healed People series, all of a sudden I found myself repeatedly quoting this scripture, the scripture from John, the one right there in the middle that says, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but I have come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly that you might have it abundantly. So as we entered in today, I wanted to give it just a little bit more context on either side of it. Of course, it falls in the book of John, and in that book of John, it falls in the chapter of chapter 10, John, and right there. So we just kind of buffered a scripture on either side to give it a little bit of context. I would love to encourage you to write down some homework, perhaps, for this week to go back and read the entire chapter of John 10. It's an incredible chapter in the Bible where Jesus just begins sharing so many things about what this kingdom life looks like. And I might be a little bit biased because while all of the gospels have their own unique perspective and they all bring us specific value and tell us the story of Jesus from an angle and from a particular position and they're telling us something about who he is and why he came, I am a little bit partial to the gospel of John. 
There's something about it for me. It doesn't have to be your favorite gospel. For me, there's something about the way that John connects with the love of who God is. There's something about the way that John connects and sees the friendship that Jesus came to share and to have with us. There's something about the way that John stays connected to the true vine and that that comes out in his telling of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, that comes out in his telling of who Jesus was. There's something for me about the way that John starts his book, in the beginning was the word. And he sees Jesus not from when he entered into earth, into time and space, but he sees Jesus all the way back from the beginning of the story because I wanna encourage you when you're reading through your Bible, do not get tricked into thinking that Jesus enters the story when you flip over into the New Testament. Jesus is spoken of and woven all throughout the Old Testament. And there's something about the way that John rolls out his gospel that looks all the way back and he says, before I can tell you about here and now, I have to look back and tell you that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And I love the book of John, and as we read through the book of John, we find ourselves here in this scripture where he says, he came to give us life and to give it abundantly. And he starts off and he talks about how salvation comes through Jesus. When Jesus begins speaking to get into this little section here, he says, I am the door. I am the door that you walk through. I am the pathway. I am the entry point. I am the one door that if you want to be back in right relationship with God, this is the door. I'm telling you, I'm not hiding it. I'm not making it a mystery. I'm not trying to play, you know, change the cups with you. Right here, I am the door. Now, there are not many doors to this pathway. There is one door. There is one entry point to this pathway, but I want to make it as clear as I possibly can that if you find yourself out of relationship with God, if you find yourself not in right position with God, there is a door to get back into relationship with God, and that door is Jesus. All it takes is a yes. All it takes is walking through that door. All it takes is saying, Jesus, I believe in you, and you walk into right relationship with him. And he says, when you walk through that door, you come into the pen. They come in and they come out. They come in and they come out. When you walk through that door, he's giving them a picture of what it means to bring people into the place of safety. He's using language, talking about sheep and talking about shepherds because it would have been common language and common pictures to the people that he was speaking to at the moment. He says, come into this door. And when they come in, they come into the place of safety. The sheep pen is where the shepherds would take their sheep for a place of safety, for a safe protection, to keep them from all of the external world, from all of the dangers, to keep them from the thief who comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He says, I bring you into a safe place. And when you say yes to Jesus, he brings you into a safe place. Is there anyone who has said yes to him and felt him bring you into the safe place, who has felt his hand guarding you, who has felt his hand protecting you and leading you, the shelter of his presence, keeping you from the hand of the thief that tried to devour you, that tried to come to destroy you, but you found yourself in safe places. You found yourself guarded. You found yourself 
in his presence. And he brings you into the place of safety. And in the place of safety, he also brings you into the sheepfold, into the gathering, into the body, into the community, into part of his family. Because safety is found in the body of believers. There is safety when you, the danger is in the sheep that moves away from the group and the sheep that wanders away from the group of the collective. Have you ever watched National Geographic and you can see them and they start running, whatever that little animal is, and there's one and it starts lingering behind or it gets distracted off to the side and you know, you're like, no, 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 baby, get back with the group. You have wandered from the place of safety that is found in the body of believers. And sometimes I feel like I'm watching a National Geographic story when I'm watching the people of God because you can see one start lingering, getting distracted or falling behind and losing their pace. And you can hear the sound of the soundtrack wellowing in the background because the thief comes to steal, to kill and to destroy. And he can nick off the ones who weigh away from the group easier than he can the ones who stay close to the center, the ones who stay safe in his presence, in his family, in the body of believers. Do not linger from the group. There is safety in the pen. There is safety in the family of believers. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but he has come to give you life and to give you life more abundantly. Come into the place of safety. But it says that they go in and they go out and they find pasture. And pasture speaks to us of the broad, green, luscious, abundant places. He says, I bring you into the place of safety and I bring you out to the place of abundance. So often we come to the place of safety. We come to the place of salvation. We come to the place of our yes in Jesus. And we say, and now what? And now I'm safe. And Jesus is telling them so clearly, no, 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 no. Yes, come through the door. Yes, come into the place of safety, but that's not it. Now I have for you abundance. Now I have for you life abundantly. He could have stopped the sentence. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but I have come to give you life. And wouldn't that have been enough that he kept me safe? that he kept me guarded, that he kept me not from being devoured, not from being stolen, not from being nicked off, that he kept my life. It would have been enough for me to still lift my hands and say, you're worthy. It would have been enough for me to still come into his house, to still bring my offerings into his place, to live my life grateful that he saved my life. But he said, I've come to give you life and life more abundant to give you an abundant life because we serve a god of abundance we serve a god of more than enough we serve a god who's not satisfied to simply give you a portion or to simply give you a small meager amount to not simply roll out just enough to kind of get us by he says i have come to give you abundance. I love the book of Genesis. It's part of why I love that John starts all the way back in the book of Genesis because those first few chapters in Genesis tell us so much about what God is doing. 
about where God is going, about the thing that he's laying out for us, about the thing that he desires for each of us, about his original intent for us humans. And when we look right there at the beginning, we look at a garden that God created and he filled it with abundance. He filled it with more than enough because it is his very nature to give us more than what we need, to give us more than just enough because he is an abundant God, because it gives him great pleasure to pour out his heart of abundance. It gives him great pleasure to just show off all of the ways that he knows how to create something magnificent. He is an abundant God, and so he created Adam and Eve. And have you thought about this? He created all of creation before he created the humans so that these people wake up and live their first days walking into a place of abundance that they never knew what it was to have lack that they never knew what it was to wonder if they would have a meal. They never knew what it was to wonder if a space was gonna be filled. They never knew what it was to experience emptiness or loneliness or separation or anything that speaks to us of anything besides abundance. They walked immediately into a place of abundance. They woke up and God said, look what I have made for you. Look at all of the trees that you can eat from. Look at all of the different fruits, all of the vegetation that I have laid out for you to eat from. Oh, and by the way, I didn't just make enough for you to eat from. I also made some that are just great to look at. Some that are just pleasant. Why? Because I am abundant. Because I thought, there's a bunch of trees that they can eat from, and that doesn't seem like that's enough to show off just how grand I am. So I want to make some that are just pretty to look at. Some in this color, and some in that color, and some in reds, and some in greens, and some in yellows, and some in magentas. Every color that you have ever seen in your life comes from the abundance of God. Every combination of colors, every shade of colors, everything in between, every piece of creation that has ever been combined comes from His great abundance that looked out on the earth and said, I see emptiness and I desire to fill it. I see void and I desire to fill it with great abundance. And I don't just want to fill it enough that they say, oh good, it's no longer empty. When his spirit went out, it said there was emptiness, there was darkness, there was void over the face. And when his spirit saw that there was darkness, that there was void, that there was emptiness, his spirit said, this is not what we do. We do abundance. So let me come and let me pour out my abundance in this space. Let me pour out rivers in this space. Let me pour out vegetation in this space. Let me pour out my presence in this space in more than enough. He is a God of abundance. There's this old proverb that many of you have probably heard about a dog that's chasing a car, right? The dog is chasing the car and chasing the tire and there's two men sitting back watching the dog chase after the tire and the one says to the other, what's the dog gonna do with it if he catches it? And of course, the implication is that the dog is chasing after something so much bigger than he is that he wouldn't know what to do if he actually caught the car. The dog is incapable of driving the car. The dog is incapable of eating the car. The dog is incapable of stopping the car if he were to catch it. He's just chasing it out of mere desire to chase it. 
There's nothing real to it. And so we have this question because in our own hearts, we, send, we tend to chase after abundance, even though God has given us abundance. We find ourselves running after something that is already there for us. And then we ask the question, what would we do if we caught it? What would we do if we caught a bucket full of abundance in our life? a truckload of abundance in our life. If you've ever studied what happens if someone wins the lottery, you have some clues as to what happens if you catch with your hands and not your heart the abundance that is available to you. Time and time again, history shows us what happens when people out of our own desires start to reach out and grab onto abundance for ourselves. We have a way of not being able to contain abundance. We have a way of not being able to hold abundance because we have gone after it in our own hands, in our own desire, not finding a rest in the God of abundance, but finding a striving out of my own heart of abundance. The irony of Adam and Eve's story is that they lived in a place of abundance, but they reached out with their own hand and ate from the one tree in the garden that would make them feel like there was not enough in the place where God had given them more than enough. They reached out and ate from a tree that made them all of the sudden feel like everything that God had laid out for them was not quite enough. And time and time again, we repeat the thing that Adam and Eve do and we reach out for something that God said, that thing is not for you. And when we reach out for something that God said, just leave that thing alone, I've given you more than enough. We reach out and we grab it and we take that thing out of our own hands because we have this thing rooted in fear in our life that tells us that though we're in a place of abundance, there might be scarcity coming. And we fear that there won't be enough for us. We fear that the ab abundance just might run out. Even though there's always been more than enough because it comes straight from heaven, because it comes straight from a God of abundance, we start to seek abundance out of our own hands. We start to seek abundance out of this fear of scarcity instead of this love that abounds. We start to run after the things that we think that we need, the things that we think that we want, the things that we think that we might need to pile up in our own life. And time and time again, we find out what happens when we take on scarcity and seek abundance instead of rest in abundance and rest in the goodness that God has given us. We come after a desire, a desire for false things, a desire for the things that God has said, this is outside of your space. This is a thing that is not for you. We find ourselves desiring things that God never intended for us. We find ourselves desiring things that are someone else's to have. We find ourselves desiring what our neighbor has or what our friend on Instagram has or what that business on the other side of the country has. We find ourselves what the Old Testament would call coveting. We look after it and we say, I desire that thing that God has given to someone else. And where does it come from? It comes from this belief, this thought that perhaps what I have is not quite enough. Perhaps what I have is going to run out and what they have is more than. And we come rushing after the thing that God has given to someone else. We run ourselves into places of power. 
if there isn't enough, if my belief is that there isn't enough for all of us, then the strongest person wins, the fastest person wins, the wittiest, most intellectual person wins, has the ability to control the resources, has the ability to control the power, has the ability to control what's happening. And we run after power to try to overpower other parts of God's creation. And so we try to extend our power on one another and we try to extend our power on our neighbors and we try to extend our power hoping that if I am powerful enough, I'm able to protect the abundance that I have built up for myself. Because we love to run after hoarding when we are seeking scarcity instead of seeking abundance, when we believe that the, the pile is going to run out, I don't need to roll you back, I hope, to empty shelves where there is no toilet paper to remind you just how scary hoarding looks. It's terrifying to watch people fight over resources because they believe that there is not enough of them. Scarcity tells me if I don't stack this back, if I don't make my savings account as big as I can possibly make it, if I don't <clears throat> keep all of the food that I need stocked up for years and years, if I don't withhold my love and hold on to my love, it might run out. Abundance and scarcity are not only related to the concepts of physical stuff. They're related to our internal things. I'm afraid that if I pour my love out into this situation, I might not have more of it. I might not have an abundance of love. And so I hold on to that love. I'm afraid that my time is going to run out. I'm afraid that there's not enough time. And so instead of giving my time freely, I hoard my time for myself. I guard my time. I stack it back and I pile it up and I want to keep all of the resources. I want to hoard all of the resources. There, um, many of you would know that my husband and I are licensed foster parents and so to get that, there's a pretty extensive training that you have to go through and if you've been a foster parent or if you've gone through similar training, you know that often kids who move um, into the foster system come from homes that have had food scarcity or have been food insecure. Not all of the time, but many of them come from food insecure situations. And there's this phenomenon that happens, which is a child moves from a place that has been food insecure into a place that has food abundance. And even the logic might tell them there's enough here, something in our internal biology says, if things have been scarce, I need to make sure that there's enough for me. And so they begin hoarding food. They're, the parents will tell you that they begin taking food and they begin hiding it in their rooms and they begin stashing it in pockets and in backpacks and in all kinds of places because there is this internal driver that says there might not be enough someday. Even though I can see that there's enough right now, my internal driver makes me afraid that perhaps there won't be enough again someday. It's the same thing that God did with the children of Israel when he walked them through, the, uh, when he brought them out of Egypt and into the promised land. They had come from a place of bondage, from a place of oppression, from a place of slavery, where they were not given enough of what they needed. A power structure withheld part of what they needed from them. And so Jesus, or God, walked them into the desert place, and he said, I am an abundant 
abundant God. You now live off of me, off of the abundance of who I am. But because they didn't understand that, he gave them manna from heaven every day and they would take it and they tried to hoard it up for themselves. They tried to pile it up. And he said, no, 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 don't hoard it up because what I'm trying to teach you is that I am an abundant God. You don't have to hoard it up for yourself. And so he put them in a situation because he was walking them through a process of moving away from scarcity and into abundance where he would provide food for them every day. And if they tried to hoard it up, it would rot so that every day they remembered my abundance comes from God, not from what I do in my own hands. In the same way, parents of these children have to walk them through a process of gently saying, you can hoard up a little bit but I'm trying to teach you a process that there's abundance coming. There is always going to be enough here. You don't have to worry about scarcity anymore. Perhaps you have lived in a space or in a place where you haven't been able to trust. You haven't been able to rely on the abundance of God that some kind of a power structure, some kind of a system structure has withheld something in that structure from you. And God wants to walk you through a process of saying dignity is available to you in abundance. Generosity is available to you in abundance. Food is available to you in abundance. Safe shelter is available to you in abundance. My love is available to you in abundance. My grace, my goodness, my mercy, right? Relationships are available to you in abundance. He wants to walk you through that process that says you don't have to hoard up your relationships. You don't have to pile back your goodness. You don't have to pile back your compliments to someone or your heart from someone. I am a God of abundance. Let me walk you into a place of abundance. Let go of scarcity and grab onto my abundance. We grab onto control when we believe that there is scarcity, when we believe that it might run out, we begin manipulating situations. We begin trying to work, to control, to work our way and telling ourselves that the end, that I still have what I need, justifies the way that I came about receiving what I have because I might end up with nothing. I might end up with not enough if I don't get involved and control this situation. And then our tribalism comes into play when we believe that there is scarcity instead of seeing the abundance of God. Our tribalism tells me that I'm going to take care of myself and I'm going to take care of my people. However you define my people, whether that's your people in your age bracket or your people in your neighborhood or your people who look like you or your biological family, tribalism tells us I am going to take care of me and mine and that is enough. Everyone else can worry about themselves because we have to duel it out out here for the supplies that are available. Like some kind of a dystopian film, we start hoarding, piling, controlling, powering to make Make sure that our group still has access to all of the resources, whatever those resources are, whether that's decision-making power or actual food, physical supplies. We create a structure. We create a belief system. We create a mentality. We create something that says, as long as my people are okay, that is not the way of God. God created abundance so that everyone could have access into his throne room. He said, I came so that the whole world. What? What does John 3.16, my goodness. What does John 3.16 tell us? So that the whole 
world. The whole world includes everybody. It includes everybody that looks like you, everybody that doesn't look like you, everybody that's related to you, everybody that's not related to you, everyone that speaks the same language as you, everyone that doesn't speak the same language as you. There is an abundance that is available to the people of God. We don't need to draw lines. We don't need to hoard up. We don't need to create power structures. We don't need to guard and protect for ourselves because God has made it abundantly. I know. I can feel you. I can hear you. Like, that's a nice idea. That's a nice idea that you're talking about, except for the fact that if I don't take care of myself, who's going to take care of me? How many of you are thinking that? Just drop it in the chat. That's all right. Mm-hmm. I know. Your laughs will replace your hands because there's this thought because we grow up in a world, in a climate, in a culture, in a area where the enemy is coming at us trying to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So the thought is, if I don't make sure that the enemy doesn't steal, kill, and destroy, I won't have enough. What did Jesus say? He said, I am the door. When you come through me, there is safety, there is protection, there is guarding, and there is abundance. There is life, and that abundantly, when you come in to Jesus. Let's abandon scarcity and grab hold of abandoned people of God. Let's go after the abundance of God. Let's go after the abundance that he has intended for us, the abundance that he has created us for, the abundance that he wants us to live in. I want you to know for sure that if we are going to go after the abundance that God has for us, we cannot train our way out of this. What does that mean? It means it's going to take a little bit more than some new habits, some new skills, some new positive declarations over my life to live in the abundance that God has intended for me. Yes, it's great to improve yourself. Yes, it's great to learn some new things, but all of those things will actually just be habits to help you better guard your scarcity mentality and better guard your tribe and better guard your hoard, your pile that you have piled up unless you can step into a place of belief believing in the abundance of God. We cannot learn our way out of this. We can study as much economics and as much ecology as we want to, but if we do not learn to live in the abundance of God, to rest in the abundance of God, to rest in his presence, to trust in his presence, to trust his hand and his plan for us, it is just more learning. It is just more head knowledge. We cannot simply learn our way out. We cannot structure our way out out of this. We can develop new systems all we want. We can develop new structures all we want, but ultimately the structures and the systems that we create are a reflection of the hearts of the people who build them. So any system that we create that is still connected to a scarcity mentality is just again going to reflect a desire to guard and protect some group of people, some power structure, some heap and pile somewhere until we have hearts that are transformed into believing in the abundance of God, into resting into the abundance of God. We have to renew our way out of this. 
We have to have renewal in our lives, renewal in our hearts, renewal in our minds. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone has walked through that door, the new creation has come and the old has gone away. The new is here. The new thing has come. The old thing is scarcity. The new thing is abundance. The old thing is that there's not enough. The new thing is that there is more than enough because we serve a God of abundance. Next week when we celebrate baptisms, we are celebrating that the old has gone away and that the new has come up. If you're getting baptized next week, when you come up, one of the things that you are walking into is a place of abundance, that he has brought you out of scarcity and into abundance, out of lack and into more than enough. Romans 12 and 2 says it this way. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is the acceptable and perfect, and what is good and acceptable and perfect. Be renewed in your mind. Be transformed in your mind. Move away from the things of this world. The world wants to conform you to a belief that there is not enough, that there is scarcity, that there is lack, that you can't make it, that you have to strive out of your own hands and out of your own work. The enemy wants to spend, wants you to spend your life trying to hold it all in and hold it all together, guarding from the thief who comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But the renewed mind of the believer says that I have more than enough. I don't have to hold back. I can live in abundance. I can live in extra. I can live in, in his glory that he has intended for me with his presence always write about me that there is great abundance and it's going to take hearts that are totally transformed and totally submitted to God totally submitted to the good shepherd that's what that next verse in John says John 10 and 11 Jesus says I am the good shepherd do you believe do you trust that he is the good shepherd a good shepherd because it's the paradox that submission feels like restraint in my life but when I submit myself to Jesus he leads me not into greater restraint but into greater abundance that when I submit my life to him he is the good shepherd and in his guiding in his in following him in submitting to him there is no lack in my life Psalms 23 says it this way I shall not want it says the Lord is my shepherd I have submitted myself to the Lord and I shall not want I shall not experience scarcity I shall not experience lack I shall not experience the feeling that perhaps this might run out I shall experience abundance I shall not it doesn't even say I shall not need it says I shall not want abundance is found in submitting to the good shepherd following the good shepherd means I am dependent on Jesus sheep depend on their shepherd for everything 
They can't find water without them. They can't find their way back to the pen without them. They can't find food without them. They don't know when to sleep or when to wake up. I am dependent on Jesus. I am completely dependent on what he guides me into. I'm completely dependent on where he's taking me. I'm completely dependent on when I rise and when I wake. We believe that so much of what we do and what we have is dependent on us. But, uh, but those who have submitted their lives to God say, I am dependent on Jesus. And I am guided by Jesus. I go where he goes. I go where he leads. Good sheep follow their shepherd closely so that they don't end up like the straggling one who's easy to get nicked off on the outside of the group. They follow their shepherd closely. And for me to follow the shepherd closely, it means I have to keep my eyes and my ears attentive to the direction and the place where the shepherd is going. I can't follow the shepherd well from afar off. I can't follow the shepherd well with great distance. I have to be attentive to where he is. And it means I trust in his guiding. Have you ever thought you knew better than your GPS? Yeah. So a couple years ago, we were back in Australia visiting family, and I jumped in the car. I was going to visit. We were staying at my in-laws, and I was going to visit some people, and I punch in the GPS, and it tells me, go straight down this road, take a left at the light, take another left, and go to get on the main road. And I pull out of the driveway, and I was like, I mean, you can go that way, but that's the long way. I know that there's this little side street over here that cuts through the neighborhood and goes straight out onto the main road. I don't know what's wrong with this GPS that it's not taking me the fastest route. Everybody knows the way you wanna get to the main road is through the little side street. So I ignore my GPS and I take the little side street because I'm gonna zip out onto the main road through the side street and lo and behold, I get to the end of the small side street and I had forgotten that there was lots of construction happening around my in-law's house that was not there the previous time that I had come to visit and the little side street no longer lets out into the main road. They have built it in and it is a dead end and now I am sitting at a dead end and I have to sheepishly to my myself and my GPS, turn my way back around, go and take the two lights already intended, and I could have already been on the main road if I wouldn't have thought that I knew better than the GPS. How many times does Jesus tell us, I want you to go this way and take it that direction and loop around? And we say, yeah, 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 Jesus, but I think if I skipped that middle step, I could probably get there a little bit faster. I saw somebody else do this, and when they did it, they didn't have to go through all those steps, so I'm going to skip that. And he's like, you can do that if you want, but we're going to come right back around this mountain, children of Israel, and you're going to do it the way that I told you to do it in the first place. So you can do it my way fast, or you can do it your way the long way. (laughs) Submitting to him as being guided by Jesus, not by me, by him, because he guides me into abundance, and it's being guarded by Jesus being protected by him. The sheep are kept safe when they are submitted to the shepherd. You are kept safe when you are submitted to Jesus, when you are submitted to his plans, when you are submitted to his standards, when you are submitted to the rules and the regulations and the the thoughts and the principles that he lays out for us in his scripture. 
I tell my boys often not to run out into the middle of the street. We have neighbors that live across the street from us that they like to play with, and my boys like to try to run out across the street to go check on the neighbors, and so I am regularly telling them, don't go running out in the middle of the street. Now, all of you as fully grown or mostly grown adults know that I am not telling my children not to run out in the street because I like to be the mean, boring mommy. I'm telling my children not to run out in the street because I want to guard them from danger that is potentially in the middle of the street. I want them to get to the fun place, but I want them to actually arrive safely at the fun place. Jesus is giving you some principles. He's giving you some guards. He's giving you some rails and some standards not to be the big fun killer because there are some things that he wants to protect you from. And he has a green pasture full of abundance for you. And he wants you to arrive in the place of abundance that has already been prepared for you safely. He doesn't want you to get stolen on the way. He doesn't want you to get killed on the way. He doesn't want you to get destroyed on the way and there is a thief who is looking to steal kill and destroy but he wants to give you life and he wants to give it to you abundantly so he says I want to guard you on the way from where you are to where I'm taking you so that you can experience abundance in my presence to experience the abundance that God has always intended for us we have to submit our lives to Jesus to being dependent on him, to being guided by him, to being guarded by him because he is taking us into an abundant life. Yes, you are safe because you have walked through the door, but now what? Abundance, an abundant life is there for you. If in the beginning of creation, God poured out of himself, and when he poured out of himself, out came abundance. And then it says, when we walk through the door, we become joint heirs. We become joint heirs with Christ. It means that abundance is our portion. Abundance is what is now available to us, and he wants to walk us into a life of abundance. As we begin to wrap up, I want to look at Luke 12 today. I'm going to read a little bit. It's Luke 12, 22 through 31. I think it's such a great picture for us of what the abundant life looks like, what it means to be a person who lives inside the abundance of God. I know it's several verses. I tried to kind of figure out, oh, I wonder if we could narrow in just on a couple of them, but it's such a rich portion of scripture. I felt like I wouldn't be doing a service. So if you'll just... Read along with me, follow along if you're online. Luke 12 and 22, this is Jesus again talking. He says, and he said to the disciples, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on, for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. They don't hoard anything up. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? Other portions of scripture tell us that we are the height of God's creation. The answer to that rhetorical question is way more valuable than the birds. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? If then you are not able to do as a small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? 
Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, how much more will he clothe you? Oh, you have little faith. And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. Seems like a point he wants us to get. He keeps repeating it. Don't seek after all of this stuff. Don't let worry and anxiousness fill your heart. For all the nations of the world will seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added unto you. What does the abundant life look like? Life lived in his abundance looks like freedom from anxiety. It looks like letting go of the anxiousness of the worry that we spend, that we waste so much of our life toiling around. And instead, we lean into trust in him. We lean into living in a place of peace. A place of peace that says, I don't have to be anxious about this thing. I don't have to worry about this thing. I don't have to chase after this thing because I have a God of abundance. The abundant life looks like a higher perspective. It looks like a picture that says, I'm not running after hoarding up everything that I possibly can. I'm not running after food. I'm not running after houses. I'm not running after clothing. All of these things that are not new to us today. Thousands of years ago, Jesus was telling them the same thing. Don't waste your life anxious about all of these things. I will provide these things for you. I will give you everything that you need out of my abundance. God says, I have the storehouses. I have the cattle on a thousand hills. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to be anxious about it. Just trust in him. Just be guided by him. He will lead you into the place of abundance. Before we finish today, I want this right now to be our moment for giving. If you haven't given yet, as we lean into this thought, this reminder that he is our God of abundance, I always love about God that he gives us a strategy. He says, I don't need you to hoard up for yourselves. And here's a strategy, here's a plan, here's a way to do it. I want you regularly to bring into his storehouse out of the abundance that he has given you. So if you give digitally, you can do that right now. If you give traditionally, you can take it to the corner after service. But right now, as we're reminded of his abundance, of what it means to be people who live in, in his abundance, that our perspective is not on stuff. It's not on the material things. It's on the higher thing that God has called us to. The other thing that life in abundance gives us is it gives us beauty. In all of our toil, in all of our grinding, in all of our worry, in all of our anxiousness, we miss the beauty of his abundance. We serve a God who has given us so much beauty and splendor. Reread this portion of scripture sometime this week. It says, he has clothed the earth in the most splendorous things you have ever possibly seen. We don't have to run after beauty for ourselves. We don't have to run after creating things. We have to run after who he is and the beauty and the creativity comes out of his abundance. 
And then it gives us pace. It gives us right pace. If we think that it might run out, we always have to hurry to get another bit. If we think that there's not enough, if we think that there's scarcity, if we think that we're living in the, you guys can take the giving screen down now, thank you. If we think that we're living just for the next paycheck, if we think that we're living just for the next idea, if we think that we're living just to get ahead of the next person, we're always driving, we're always striving. Living in abundance says there's seed time and there's harvest. So I've learned how to live in the right place because I trust in His guiding, that He is guiding me into green pastures, that He is guiding me in and out of places that he is leading me where I need to be, when I need to be. So you're not behind on the agenda you had laid out. You're not gonna miss the moment that he has for you if you stay in his abundance. Because everything that we're doing is not done out of ignorance, it's not done out of knowledge, it's not done out of what we've learned or what we've strived for, it's done out of complete trust and an abundant God. Amen, church? As we walk into this week, I want us to look and evaluate our lives and say, where am I still living in scarcity? And where can I allow your abundance to flow into my life? I know for myself, one of the places I've been challenged with is my time. I feel like, what if there's not enough time? And, and what if I don't have enough time in my week? And what if I never get to all of the things that I wanna do this week? And what if I never get to all of the things that I hear God speaking and I just heard his abundance speaking over me? Submit to me, be guided by me, be guarded by me, be dependent on me, and I will lead you in timing. I don't know what the thing is for you where you find yourself wondering, what if thing, worrying, anxious. But I do know that God wants to pour his abundance into that place. He wants you to know that there is more than enough, that he is an abundant God, and that he is guiding you into his places of abundance. Thank you for your word, God. Thank you for your abundance. Thank you for your creation. Thank you for all that you have made, that there is more than enough, that you are an abundant God. I thank you for the flowers in the field as they come out this spring, God. Help it remind us of all of the color, of all of the creativity, of all of the abundance of who you are. And God, we just say, we commit that we want to let go of scarcity and we want to walk into your abundance. In Jesus' name, amen.